Hey folks, welcome to the MLR kickoff and the band is back together. The big four, it's Steinberg. What are you going to be on? Are you going to be on the drums, lead guitar, bass? What do you want to do? Oh, um, um, yeah, I, I was in a band once and I was a bass player. And I think the band lasted maybe two or three weeks. We'll keep you on the bass. I, I think Ginty's going to be a drummer. I think Ryan Ginty's got like that charismatic I can see drummer. that loves loves doesn't have to be in the spotlight but he, he creates the beat that we play along to and that puts Stats Boy Aaron Castro on lead guitar of course I am the, uh, the face and the voice of the group on lead vocals uh, <laughs> wouldn't have it any other way we missed you buddy we missed uh, we, we, we were at a skeleton crew last week we had we were men down everywhere so welcome back well I'm sorry I'm not sitting next to you hanging out Impromptu. Uh, appreciate. That was impromptu. Yeah, yeah, whatever. I, I see how this is working. Very soon, Aaron's going to get a little note from Dan being like, "Isn't it? wasn't it more convenient when we've got the talent in the same place? So, it was, he, he was very critical of all my, uh, I have a lot of my work stuff up. I'm a whiteboard guy. I don't know how you are in your office, but I'm a whiteboard. Like I need stuff up there that I'm looking at. Otherwise, I... it will just disappear out of my world and not get done so and then he was way back like, in the day i thought about moving to where you guys live and putting a studio in the basement and just having us do it yeah if i end up dead. in your basement aaron then i know i'm in big trouble my my life has taken a wrong turn somewhere all right pete let's let's talk about last week's game it was a it was a big weekend for mla there was a lot of movement uh, a lot of the table kind of shuffled out and, and started to set itself Let's go game of the week. Which one stood out for you? The one that stood out to me, which I thought thought was one of the most entertaining games, was the NOLA versus New York. Mine I mean, too. this was a really remarkable game. And it's one of those games that the stats can't tell you. I don't know if you got a chance to see this, Dan, but um, New York were completely dominant in the first half. I mean, I think it was 31-7 at halftime. And then with about four minutes to go, it was 31-28. And Nola, actually, I mean, this is like one of these things that just kills you, right? They get all the way back. There's four minutes to go. There's a kickoff. They win the kickoff and they drop the ball after the first pass. And all of a sudden it's a scrum to New York inside the 22 of Nola and New York go on to win you know, another scrum. But the, the interesting thing about this for me is that if you look at the stats, so the game was a game of two halves, right? Um, New York in the first half, great first half. I mean, they lost Troy Lockyer very early. They brought in um, Sam Windsor at fullback, who I thought actually that might be an interesting play for them because it gives them two playmakers. And there were some opportunities um, uh, that are... Um, that that Sam showed by stepping in at first receiver on the other side that I thought I thought was pretty interesting. But New York's just really opportunistic, right? They got the ball, they were able to do some stuff here and there, but really, really opportunistic in terms of how they played. So they weren't that dominant. But that second half by Nola, holy cow. I mean, that's the Nola team that I thought was around the whole like like all season. And they suddenly showed it. I mean, their stats are incredible. They have, you know, they have six line breaks, no line breaks to New York. They won all 11 scrums. Um, 
you know, they were they were strong in the scrum. Now they had 13 handling errors. And this has actually been a generational issue with Nola. Like if they could just hold on to the ball, they play a very expansive game, but they really, really struggled. Um, so I thought I thought this game of two halves was really interesting. The other thing I would say, which I think is also really interesting for New York, is you know they're now playing Andy Ellis at nine, so they didn't start at nine, and now he's starting at nine. Um, you know, uh, Jason Emery had I thought a really really good game. So I think New York is actually beginning to find combinations that work, but I think that second half showed that their bench. They maybe don't have the bench that they really need to make that long push. You feel that maybe they put the cue back in the rack a little early in this game, or was that maybe Nola finding their rhythm? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, maybe. I think maybe they 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 step back a little bit. Um, I think the um, that I I think Nola have too many quality players. They just haven't been played consistently, and I'm just going to call out. You know, one of our favorites, right? One of our favorites for Nola is JP Duplessis. Like, this guy was good. I mean, when he first came on, we're like, this guy's amazing, right? Um, let, let me go through his stats. So he had 17 carries. There wasn't a single other Nola player. Oh, one other Nola player, Nick Feeks, had 13. Those are the only two players in, in, in double figures. Um, took the ball into the breakdown. Eight successful passes, more more um, offloads, the most defensive arrivals. I mean, this guy just had a stellar a stellar game. And so, you know, this that second half, hopefully, that gives that Nola team some belief. But I think that that was like it, it was one of the best halves of rugby. I think in MLR this season, um, Damian Stevens was electric. Um, Tonga Wira was amazing. You know, Cam Dolan looked like he was in his twenties. It was it was really really impressive. So, um, you know that that's so the, like the takeaway is New York have a really good team that can play really well. They don't have a good team as well. They just haven't played as well. Yeah, it would have. You know, I, I'm glad the results stayed the way it is because Nola is out of contention for the playoffs. Effectively, yeah. the win keeps New York kind of going here, and uh, Toronto on the bye week. You know, sitting in fourth place now, back, what, seven points from New York going into this round. So keeps it uh, nice and nice and spicy. Um, well, I, there's no conjecture. I agree with you. I actually, probably this is the most uh, of, of any game I watched on the weekend was this game. So I was impressed with New York in the first 40 minutes, impressed with Nola in the next 37 minutes, and then New York <laughs> squeak at home, much to the, the relief of a lot of people there in uh, – in New York and at Hoboken for the game. Uh, what else, Pete? What else stood out for you in the weekend? Anything else? We don't have to deep dive into it, but <laughs> any any of the other results? I thought LA winning on the road against Atlanta was, yeah. a, was a bit of a warning for the rest of the league that, you know, the uh, the old dog's not done yet. Yeah, I, I, I was... That was impressive. I mean, I, I really rate the rugby ATL team and for the Giltinis, basically, I mean, you know, I mean... What was I mean? Was it thirty-one nothing at some one point? Like it was, it was just they were so dominant. Yeah. Um, And and like another team that that had a late change, right? Moving Goddard to ten, and you're like, they're going to really struggle, but they didn't. And so um, 
Like it was like I, I there's something going on there with with LA and their and their fly half position. It's like what you don't want to do is you don't want to be select number ten for LA because you're going to get jinked. That seems yeah. to be what it is. Pretty 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 much again. Um, Luke Cardi during the week was back out of practice. He had the bib on, so no contact bib. But maybe a chance. The the, the rumor mills is he's going to make a push to get in the team for the last regular season game to be ready for the playoffs. So keep an eye on that one. That would be a, a big one. You know, obviously his match fitness at the back end, he may not be able to start, but just having him on the bench that add a little bit more depth to 10 would probably be a big relief for Steve Hoyles, Adam Fryer, and the whole crew out there in LA just to have another option at 10 going in. All right, mate, let's jump into our interview and uh, we continue our focus on our foundation players. This guy is he's one of the OGs when it comes to the crossover. He had big raps on him coming into Major League Rugby as a player to watch. Uh, we spoke to Paddy Ryan, uh, the Australian Paddy Ryan, and it was one of the players he highlighted, what, three, four years ago now when Paddy was here, and said, keep an eye on this guy. And it's an absolute pleasure to have him on the show. And Pete, you got the chance to sit down with him. Nate Sylvia from the San Diego Legion. Nate Sylvia from the San Diego Legion. Welcome to MLR Kickoff. Ready to go. Now, you're someone who's been in Major League Rugby from the start, coming up on your 50th cap. But let's go, before we talk about your MLR experience, <laughs> let's go all the way back to the beginning. How did rugby find you? So, so rugby for me actually started in uh, university, um, not like high school with a lot of players um, in the league. So... Uh, high school, I actually I played football, wrestling, um, and then when I went to university, I wanted to try to walk on to my university football team at, at Cal Poly, San Luis Obispo. So I actually did all of like the winter and uh, spring ball on my freshman year. And uh, unfortunately for me, um, I was trying to walk on to be an interior D lineman at about 235 pounds. So... <laughs> Yeah, it, it didn't work out, and I got cut. Which, thank goodness, because if I did make the team, you know, who knows? Probably wouldn't have got too much playing time. But uh, yeah, um, that summer, I'm like, dang, like I don't know what to do. Like, am I done playing sports? And uh, I was actually talking to my dad, and um, so my dad, when he was going to medical school, um, he was actually asked if he's like, come come play rugby. He's like a stocky guy. Come play, uh, come play hooker. And so he uh, comes back and comes to my mom. It's like, hey, like, I'm going to come go play rugby. And um, unfortunately for him, I had just been born. And my mom was just like, no, you can't do it. You have like a less than one-year-old son. <laughs> You're not going to be starting to play rugby. Um, so he told me that I had to do it for him to give it a shot. Oh, wow. So, wow. Um, so, yeah. so, so is, I mean, before you started playing, was your dad actually a rugby fan? Like, did he watch rugby? Like, he was interested in it? Or literally, he just wanted to play it because he was a stocky guy and he thought it would work for him? Yeah, yeah. He just, he just was interested in playing it back in the day and never got the opportunity um, and didn't really watch it. And there, you know, and there wasn't really, at least back then, too much opportunity in, like, at least that I knew for, like, youth rugby. So, um, yeah, it was kind of totally foreign to me. So, so hold it. So, so you, go, you go back to the Cal Poly campus – and you start just walking around being like, anyone a rugby player? Anyone a rugby player? Like, how did you find rugby? Who was the first rugby player you meet, uh, you met? And the other question I like to ask is, when did you know it was the sport for you? 
Um, well, so they had this thing every year because it's a it's a rugby's a club sport at Cal Poly. Um, they had like a club showcase, and uh, I had I knew that the rugby team would have a booth there, so I just walked straight up to the booth and I'm like, "Oh, you want to play rugby?" And I was like, "Yep, yeah, I do." Just sign my name, email. You know, they sent a. But, uh, like, like it never works this way. Someone who's recruited on college campuses, the guy who was on the football team doesn't walk up to you and say, hi, I want to play rugby. They must have looked at you and been like, yeah, you look like a rugby guy. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I just went and signed up. And then um, there's like a kind of like an intro meeting like the next week. So I went there with like all the other, you know, other guys who signed up for that club showcase and, and yeah, and the coach, you know, talked to us and said, oh yeah, you know, train here, here's a training schedule, come out and, and yeah, and that was, that was pretty much it. And then when did you know, like, was it the first practice, the first game? Like, when did you know, oh, wow, this, this is, this is the sport for me? Um, probably the first, probably the first game. Cause so the first tournament was actually, it was kind of like a round robin tournament, a bunch of like like, um, like, you know, second 15s, third 15s and stuff, kind of go on and play like a social tournament. And uh, <laughs> it was funny. I'm actually my first game, I scored a pick and go try, but I didn't even know I scored. I'd like, they're like, oh, just pick and go, pick and go. And like, I put it down and they're like, yeah, and, like everyone's cheering. And I was like, what? like, oh, you scored. I'm like, oh man, this is awesome. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> um, it, it's, yeah, it, it's funny when we have new players out to the sport, we actually don't explain them. Like we don't spend a lot of time teaching them how to score. Yeah. There's a lot of other stuff that happens in practice, but actually scoring is an air. All right. So you get to Cal Poly, you find out you're a good rugby player. Talk to me about your experience in Australia. Like how did that come about and what did you learn while you were there? So in Australia, um, well, so yeah, so I played at Cal Poly, and then going into my last year, uh, my um, our coach was Australian, so he had some connections over there. So um, he was like, "Yeah, like you know, go over there for a summer, and you know, just go play play some men's club and have a good experience." So um, yeah, he, he and me, uh, me and two other of my teammates um, went over to uh, to Tamworth, New South Wales, and uh, played some men's club rugby out there. And it was just, it was just a great experience overall. That's, that's awesome. Now, you know, you're the generation, right? So you, you played, um, you know, college rugby, you come out of college, um, you played a little bit of club rugby and then all of a sudden major league rugby pops up. How did you first get your first connection with major league rugby? Like, was it a oh. phone call? <laughs> No, so it was actually, um, it was actually a text or a message. Um, I'm just because I was playing in the Bay Area for San Francisco Golden Gate, playing for the uh, um, the PRP Pacific Rugby Premiership back in um, 2018, and um, having a good season. And uh, Legion had a couple injuries for Tiehead, and so I just get a message on my phone from uh, from Zach Test saying, "Hey, want to come down to San Diego?" And I'm just like. Yeah, I would love to. And um, so they actually, they flew me down the day of, there was a Friday game, they flew me down the day of the game straight to uh, Torero Stadium, straight to the locker room, 
handed me all the kit and said, all right, you're going to come on, come and play off the bench. So yeah, that's how I, that's how I got in. And, and how many minutes did you get? I got about 15 minutes and I will never forget this because I get subbed in at a scrum, right at a scrum. So I'm like, okay, like, you know, getting ready to go, boom, hit, scrum goes down, instantly penalizes me, and they kick kick for posts to go up by, like, one point with, like, 10 minutes left. I'm just like, oh, crap. <laughs> like, welcome, welcome to Major League Rugby. Well, yeah. you know, it, it's funny because the Legion scrum has come a long way, as have you. That first year, I mean, the, le- the, the, the team was very good, but the scrum was the glaring weakness. Mm-hmm. But over time, it's, 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 it's become a strength. So look back to that first appearance and that first season. And where do you think you've grown the most? I mean, I mean, really just everything from the beginning, just like, like just strength, um, just knowledge of the game, just speed of the game as well. I mean, really just every year has just been, been going up, um, you know, to go along with how much the league has come since 2018 as well. Um, so yeah, just that kind of general overall play has just been just getting better every year. Um, now, um, there's been a lot of good, like really world-class forwards that have come through the Legion in your time. Can you tell us a couple that you've learned that you really felt you learned a lot from or were great role models for you? I mean, coming in with, uh, you know, Patty Ryan back in 2019 and stuff, he really kind of took us all under his wings. We had a bunch of young props that year. Um, and there was only, there's only four of us. <laughs> so um, he really helped me out that year and kind of set the, set the standard, I guess, for what, what to expect. And then, you know, <clears throat> every year since then, we've had some really good international front row come in that always help come in and um, help me out. Um, like this year, like Hankus. Um, and stuff really helped me out. And, and yeah, just picking things up my own as well. So, yeah, it's been really good. So, you know, the Legion are right in the mix. Yeah. Right? Right, having some very good performances. Um, what are, like, like um, what do you think you need to do to um, and improve on to win a championship this year? I mean... I mean, I think in every game this year we played, you know, we've had spots of, you know, really good play and stuff. And I, I think our our um, penalty count has kind of gone against us, um, I think. So I think if we just improve, improve the discipline a little bit um, and not put ourselves under pressure defensively, then I think we really have a crack at a lot of these teams. So, so um, you know, you're. I think I've spoken to three – um, in my role as a commentator, um, three uh, Legion head coaches. Mm-hmm. And when I've always asked them, like, who's the player that impresses you most or who's the player that have most has the most potential, your name comes up. What are your goals? What are your personal rugby goals? I mean, I think it's every American rugby player's goal in this league to eventually get a call up to the Eagles. Um I'm definitely no different. Um, so I think that would ultimately, that would be my ultimate goal. But I also know that right now, um, just to really just kind of 
be the most like professional rugby player I can be as this league grows um, and be as good of a player I can for this club. Um, and obviously to bring a championship to San Diego, I mean, that's a huge goal of mine as well. So, um, What's it like like being a local guy? Does, does your dad come to the games? Do your friends come to games? <laughs> um, yeah, so actually my folks actually live in Idaho now. But, oh. they fly down, but they still fly down for every home game. So they might oh, as well be oh. local. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, it's great. Yeah. My buddies who I grew up with, um, my wife's parents, they all come out to the games and, you know, I'll get some people who maybe, you know, see it, see me on like, you know, friends who see me on Instagram, don't know anything about rugby, like, Oh, I want to come out to a game and, you know, I can help them, you know, help them out tickets or something, introduce them. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. That's great. So, um, what would, what would you tell the um, 20 year old Nate Sylvia? Cause there's, because right now, right. There's 20 year old props out there playing college rugby, looking at you saying, I want to be Nate Sylvia. Yeah. Right. So what would you tell him? Man, what would I tell 20 year old Nate Sylvia? Oh man. <laughs> and, 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 and don't say put down the beer. Cause that's not probably, I mean, I don't know what you were like, but most 20 year old props that I know in, in college rugby aren't putting down the beer. Yeah. 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 No, of course not. You gotta have, you gotta enjoy it. Um, I mean, really, I think, I mean, my, when I was 20 years old, I mean, that was just my first year playing rugby. So I had no idea where that could even lead. Um, and so what I always tell people now is like, if you started playing in high school, you started playing even your first year of college, you already have a leg up on when I started playing. So, I mean, I don't even know what I tell myself. Cause it was just, it wasn't even, it wasn't even a dream at that point. Like it was just, I was just playing, playing for fun. I mean, I guess, I, mean, I definitely could have hit the gym more when I was in, you know, in 20. I mean, yeah. But. So, 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 so you said at the start that you were undersized because you were a 230 pound lineman. Yeah. How much do you weigh now? I probably run around to like 260 now. 260. Right. So, so if you were 260 back then, you might have had a better chance of like making, making that team, right? Uh, it's even 260 is too small. Even 260 yeah. is too small. Those guys are like almost 300 pounds. So, yeah. That's great. Well, <laughs> well, Nate, thank you so much. It's been a great interview. It's been great to get to know you and to learn your background. Um, congratulations on your 50th cap as it comes up. It's not yep. quite here yet, but thank I you. am sure it will get here soon. And um, good luck to you and the Legion for the rest of the season. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. There you go. Big Nate and uh, starting to find some form and the Legion needing that form as they make a push for the Western playoffs as well, Pete. Yeah, and he's someone, you know, I think um, the same way that Paddy Ryan talked about him, every coach that I've talked to at San Diego Legion has talked about him. Um, You've got to think that he's pushing for a spot in the Eagles, but Nate's in a generation where, and, and Major League Rugby has helped this, there's a lot of good props like there used to be a time when we couldn't find enough good props, but we've got guys playing at the highest level overseas. There's a ton of quality American plots, um, uh, props playing in MLR, but definitely in, um, you know, definitely in season, his season, definitely playing well. And definitely someone I think Gary Gold is, is, is you know, should be keeping his eye on. Yeah, we're not too far away from the uh, the Chile 
two-game series to get in and it's America's two. We'll, we'll jump into that in a couple of weeks as we knock on the door there, but it will be interesting. We should have an extended squad being named here shortly, players that will be available for that. They've got the game early July against the French Barbarians. It's a warm-up game. So what are we, two months away from that? Yeah, May, June, two months away from that, so eight weeks. Uh, good to keep an eye on there. All right, Pete, let's uh, let's move on. Professor's breakdown, it was uh, Pato's uh, breakdown last week. It was it was just basically him making fun of me for 15 minutes. So what have you got this week for your 101? So I think I'm just going to make fun of you for five minutes because I don't have 15 minutes worth of material. So Fair if enough. that's okay. Um, yeah. so, so I'm actually going to do the box kick. And this is um, one of these things that um, I think there's a lot of question about why would you, why do you box kick, right? There's, it doesn't seem to be a high percentage um, opportunity to win the ball back. And I think that's because a lot of people don't understand that teams don't mind being on defense, right? And so the good thing about the box kick, well, so the box kick from a, is from the scrum half position, they're at the base of the ruck. You'll see they're moving people into position to give them protection. Right. So what they do is they move some people around to make sure that they create what separation from the defender. So remember, the defender has to come from the back foot. So if I add another rucker or two, I can create that separation. And it's a very particular skill. Right. Because you have to actually be able to step away from the direction that you're kicking and you have to have your foot come up and across and you basically kick over your shoulder. So it looks like it's relatively easy, but it's very difficult. And, you know, in, in MLR, it's not a consistently quality box box kick that you see from most players. Um, you know, I think we uh, um, talked um, about Nola and um, it's Damien... Stevens. Stevens. I was like, Smith, Howard. Damien Stevens. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. I can't make fun of your memory. So Damien Stevens, he's someone that actually has a really good foot. He has a really good box kick. He sometimes kicks it a little bit too far, if I'm honest. So the purpose of the box kick is to kick the ball high, high enough that your supporter, which is often a winger, is going to come and challenge it while it's being caught. And so what you need is you need good timing because your winger wants a little bit like on a kickoff in football, wants to be running, but still needs to be behind the ball when it's kicked. So what you're trying to do for the scrum half is you want to make the opposition winger have to retreat or the fullback to have to really cover a lot of ground and what and and for that to be a challengeable kick. Now, even if you come up and challenge and the opposition wins the ball, you're actually still in good shape. And I think this is what people often don't understand because they'll look at that kick and they'll say, well, you gained 15 meters or 20 meters, but actually you lost the ball. But if you look at that moment when the tackle was being made, the defense is in a much better situation than the attack, right? Because the defense, all they have to do to set up on the box kick is run forward and get onto the back, back foot of the ruck, right? They need to spread a little bit. It's not too difficult on box kicks, right? Um, sometimes I think there's maybe a little bit too much uh, people around the ruck, but they can spread out. All they have to do is get up on the back foot and the defensive set. But if you think about what the attack has to do, the attack has to retreat. Not only do they have to retreat behind the back foot, but they've got to build what we call their shape. They have to get into the right position. 
That's very, very hard to do in a box kick. So when the ball comes out from that first ruck, the defense is normally set and the attack isn't. And it gives the defense a chance to be very aggressive and to put a lot of pressure on the attack. So even if you give that ball up, you're like, it doesn't matter. We're in really good shape. Our, our defense's line is formed and the attack's not in a good position to be able to do anything with it. And we've got opportunities to put pressure on them, create a handling error, turn the ball over, those sorts of things. So that's the principle. That's why you see a lot of box kicks. I mean, I know we saw it a lot with the Eagles. You know, um, Mike Petrie, our colleague, has done a lot of box kicks for the Eagles and everyone would be like, oh, we're giving it up. But actually, if you looked, it's really about putting yourself in the best situation to succeed with or without the ball. The challenge with the box kick is because there are so many forwards around the ruck is that if you outkick your chase and the team that receives the ball is able to make two passes, there's a lot of space for them to be able to attack because all of your forwards are concentrated, right? It's really hard to create a spread defensive line without setting that first ruck. So the benefit, you, you make the kick, hit the tackle, you're set up on your defense, you can put pressure on the attack. The downside is if you kick too far, there's a great attacking opportunity for, um, for the receiving team. And that's why the box kick for a scrum half is becoming, I wouldn't say it's more important than the, than the pass, but for some coaches, it might be as important. Interesting. Interesting. So it's almost so it's an investment, not in the kick, but in the next play. So you yeah, oh, I like manipulate. that, Dan. It's I investment. like that. It's an investment. Yeah, we're yeah not, we're it's not exactly doing, what it is. It's not crypto fans. You're not getting immediate returns here. We're not jumping on the Dogecoin train. This is uh, this is a blue chip, long term <laughs> investment. I like it. I like it. But you did you have a handy box kick? Played a lot of nine. No, 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 no I was annoying. I didn't really have a handy box kick or a good pass, and I wasn't very fast, but I could talk a really good game with the referee. So I'd become buddy-buddy nice. with the referee, get a couple of calls during the game. That was probably my strength as a scrum half. I like it. Who's got the best box kick in MLR, and who's got the best box kick in world rugby? Oh, geez. Um, probably Harrison Goddard in MLR. I agree with that 100%. I was going to say the exact same thing. Um, probably, what's the name of the French scrum half? Uh, is, that, is that Dupont? I think mm-hmm. Dupont. I mean, he kind of does everything well. Yeah, I was going to say, what, what, it, it, what can that guy not do like, at the moment? He's kind of on fire. I mean, I mean, I mean, he is, he is like maybe the best player in the world right now, but I think, I think his box kick is, is, uh, is, is, is really good. Well, for those who want to watch some, Fantastic box kicking this weekend. This is where all the action will be. We kick things off on Saturday. Now, this is an interesting game, Pete, because Old Glory on the road in Quincy against New England. 7 o'clock. Is it Saturday night? It is Saturday night. 7 o'clock Eastern. What are you thinking here? Old Glory, two in a row. Yeah. Eight in a row. Yeah. Yeah. I I was going to say, I think the longer... I think I think um, I think New England is is class. I think Old Glory, you know, um, credit to Nate Osborne coming in, getting a couple of wins. Um, but I I think that 
um, you know, they haven't played strong teams and this will be the strongest team that they've played for a little while. So I don't think there's much doubt that this is going to be New England. Um, something has to happen, a red card, a, a, a special injury. Um, I think I think New England's great. I really love how they play. Like, again, um, Poland from nine has so yeah. many options with his forwards. Like, it's just, it's a really, like, like the way they play makes it very, very difficult to defend. Yeah, a lot, lot of talk about Bernie Walker and deservedly so this year, but I agree with you. I think John Poland's had a really, really good year this year and just overshadowed by his team in the 10 jersey. He, he would be up there in, in, your, in your top players in the league at the moment the way he's playing. Hey, Pete, who was the early game on Saturday? Or, or Aaron might know this as well. New England played in the afternoon game on Saturday, right? The early game was... Um, LA-Atlanta. Yeah, LA-Atlanta was the early game, and then Utah-New England. That's right. The difference between, like, watching New England play and Atlanta play was crazy, considering those two are the best teams on the East. And and again... (laughs) Two very different styles. Yeah, it it was... And Atlanta may not have had a great game or a great performance. I think they'll put their hand up and admit that too in that LA game, but... Uh, watching that game, that New England-Utah game in that first half, I was like, Man, New, New England are the best team in the league right now. And it's hard. You know, Austin's doing their thing out in the West Coast. LA is coming on, but I just New England looks sharp. So, yeah, hard yeah, to go against the Free Jacks here. All right, I, kicking I, off. I agree with you. Three hours later, you'll be able to do both these games. This one's a late one at 10 Eastern. It's ATL looking to bounce back from a loss against the Warriors, who are back in Utah. Uh, this one on the Rugby Network. What do you like here, Pete? Man, this is interesting. You know, Utah have gone through their coaching change. <coughs> They've been struggling, right? They've been struggling with that. But again, you know, to me, there actually aren't many MLR teams that aren't good. They're just not consistently good, right? Um, I think... You know, this is a tough one. I, I would say, I think um, Rugby ATL is a better team, but it's tough to lose at home and then go up to altitude and play Utah. I think Rugby ATL wins this, but I think we might see a little bit of the Utah comeback kids in this as ATL struggle a little bit with that travel up to altitude. Mm. Yeah, that fatigue, that last 20 minutes up there is always tough, isn't it? Um, I think ATL just have more to play for. Like they've got to, got to win. The East Coast yeah. is still pretty jammed up. Uh, I'll, I'll go ATL to bounce back. Uh, they're a good team. All right, moving on to Sunday. It's New York and Toronto. This is a massive game. This effectively could decide third place in the Eastern Conference. <laughs> Seven points separate these sides at the moment. New York are on the road at Toronto. Last time they played here was 2019. This was a playing game to get into the playoffs. They end up both getting in, crazy enough, as MLR was in 2019. Uh, but who do you like here? <clears throat> I know. I, I, you know, the first half New York or the second half New York, um, yeah. Toronto. You know, they had that weird loss to the SaberCats. Didn't play well. They, they've got the bye week. They were really beaten up. Let's see if, you know, hopefully a couple of their scrum halves come back. Um, I think if Toronto's healthy, I might I might lean to them here just because I think New York showed maybe that they don't quite have the depth that they need. 
Um, but I just don't know. This is going to be one of those, Dan, that you want to see the rosters. But Toronto at home is tough. Um, yeah, all right. So I'll, I'll just gamble with Toronto, but I think it's going to be a, a, a lineup, um, a lineup choice. Do you think we've seen the whole this weekend? I'm sorry, say that again. Do you think we've seen Naholo for New York this weekend? I mean, if you're not going to have him play this game, why did you bring him in? Well, it's at the moment, it's him versus administrative issues, and administrative issues is ahead two rounds to zero at the moment. <laughs> Got it. So, Got it. Well, I, I think I think if he if he lands somewhere in America on Saturday and they're able to get him to New York, I mean, up to Toronto by the game on Sunday, I think we'll see him. Maybe off the bench, but I think we'll see him. Well, according to his Instagram, he's in America. Um, let's not get him in trouble with anyone at immigration. Uh, INS, if you're listening, I know you're big fans. Um, just just stamp that, that visa, please. We want to watch him play. Maybe you can play in Canada. You know, he's part of the I Commonwealth. So, Kiwi Park. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, maybe he can easily get there. That's what they just, just put him in for that game. He, he would be he would be a bit of a game changer. Not that New York uh, have had real problems with their outside backs, but no, like, and that's probably the one area where they don't need the help because they've been right. pretty strong. But um, oh, geez, I don't know. And you got to remember that you've you've lost Dakabalavu as well, who went home early in the year, and then you add in Wise <coughs> Naholo, so. Yeah. All right. All right. Moving on. Sunday, Austin at LA at six o'clock. This one on the Rugby Network as well. It's uh, it's. Can we still call this the Battle of the Gillies? Because uh, you know the. Does he still own Austin, or is that a done deal now? Where are we at with that? Is, is this could be the last Gilchrist Cup? <coughs> it's kind of sad. Uh, it, it, it it could be. Um, I'm excited for this game. I think Austin. I agree. I think New England's great. I still think Austin's the best team in the league. Um, I think it's probably pretty close. I think the Guiltys have got to sort out their ten. Like I, you can pull it off once. I don't know that you can pull it off again. So I think just because of their their issue around ten, and because Austin is such a rounded team, I would go with them. Yeah, I kind of agree with you. And you gotta remember, more suspensions come out this week. Hunko, uh, who's been having quite a, an impressive year for the Giltinis, is, is going to be suspended, which puts more strain on the depth in the back row with uh, Cottrell already out. So they're going to be, uh, you know, digging deep here to try to find someone to, to go against. And Lockie McCaffrey is just on fire in that in that pack for. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Hard to go against the Gilgronis here to go 2 0 this year against LA. All right. uh, An hour later, just down the highway, it's Houston at San Diego. And we talked about New York Toronto. This is the game for third place (laughs) in the West, you would assume. I think so. And this is going to be our big game preview, Dan. Okay. Moving on then. Last game Sunday, late one, Jackals at Seattle. The question here is how much? How much does Seattle yeah. put on the Jackals? And, and, and here we find Seattle, Dan, in the playoff hunt. Like they started oh, well. Alive and, and then well. they were yep. alive and well. Like they started well, but then they looked dead. And, you know, if they win and Houston win, they could find themselves in the third spot. So, you know, this is a big game. And this is a game 
You know, I will say that Seattle has a bit of a history of having these late season home games be a lot closer than you think. But I can't believe that's going to happen here. Uh, let's see. They are a mere two points in arrears. Yeah. Yeah, and, and they're 32 points back on the points differential. Who has exactly gonna, the same? Look, look, the, the issue here is Houston are on the same points, but they've got a game in hand on both of those sides. Right. So, and they're plus two. So, Houston get a win over San Diego. You may be getting close to saying that San Diego are going to have a tough run because Seattle will beat Dallas, you would assume, and go up to, I'm just going to give them five points, 36. Let's say Houston can do the same thing, take maximum points at 36, but then Seattle and San Diego will be sitting at home while Houston plays. So as long as they can win on that bye week and keep touch, it looks like looking at this, it's Houston's third place to lose right now. Well, I, I don't want to, like, well, you know, so, all right, so we think Seattle's going to win. Let's get to the big game preview because I think this is this is actually really, really critical, right? So for San Diego, um, San Diego and Houston have both been interesting teams because they've both had really great games and they've both also had, like, stinkers. And so Houston, to me, is a physical team and if you can match that physicality which was something that toronto couldn't do and actually have always struggled to do because toronto is just a little bit undersized if you can match the physicality of the saber cats then you can beat them but that's not easy to do and so what's interesting for me is in this game is can the and it's not in the backs i mean i think i think the backs are a little um are probably relatively even but in the forwards yeah, how physical is this Legion team? How physical is that Type 5? Um, you know, they've lost some of the, you know, second rows from the past that really brought that physical nature. And so, to me, that's going to be the big question. The fact that it's at home probably gives the Legion a little bit of an edge. But it's going to be, this is this is going to be a great game to watch. And, and the one thing I would say, the other thing I would say is that Houston don't, they're not a free-flowing game, right? So team, so they they want to play some territory. They don't play very fast. I actually think that they can play a little bit faster from the base and they can open that game up. Um, and so there were some real opportunities to be able to shut down, get your defense if you're physical with them. Um, I just don't know that the, the Legion in the past had that kind of defense. I just haven't seen that kind of defense this year from the Legion. Hmm. This one's going to be a roster uh, again for me. I know there's uh, some suspension issues on the Houston side of things. Um, let's see what side they can put out. But big game, big game for the Saber Cats here. If they can get a win on the road, uh, you know they can really go along with themselves up. And wouldn't that be a, a great return for the Saber Cats? You know, four years in the doldrums and then getting into the playoffs would be a, right. a great little turnaround Absolutely. story. Yeah, I think I think the thing is though for, for Houston, they don't have to win. Like if they get, if they lose, but but they get two bonus points, right? And they've got that game in hand. Mm -hmm. They're still right in the mix. Yes, if they if they lose, they actually lose the ability to control their destiny. But none of these teams are consistent. There's no way that San Diego, the SeaWolves, or the SaberCats are going to run the table, right? They're all going to lose games. And so and 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 so I think that the difference that I would say is that. It might be that the Legion needs to get those two bonus points. 
they just score four tries and it needs to be at least close enough because if they lose and don't um, get any bonus points, right, then that puts the Sabercats potentially three, three points ahead of them with a game in hand. And now that gives the Sabercats some breathing room. Right? So I actually think this is a more critical game. It's an opportunity for the Sabercats, but I think it's a critical game for the Legion. Interesting. Ah, see, when you start doing this math form, I don't want the uh, I don't want the Houston side going to San Diego thinking we can lose this and we're going to be okay. I'm like, <laughs> no, you guys. I'm not the win. coach. I agree with you. I'm not the coach. It wouldn't be my message, you know, my message to the Sabercats. But you know, you're also right now in, in you are also in a piece where you're probably managing your roster a little differently. You know, you you are looking at like you know you're seeing this now as the last cycle right so there's one more cycle of games you're looking about how you manage your roster you're looking about how how you want to play your teams you're making some of those judgments well listen to this for running so they get through san diego right then they play utah at home old glory away so you got to think both those sides are out of playoff contention so yep. if, if you want to be serious you win those two games then they have seattle uh, in Seattle, late game there. Now that could be a big one. Seattle could either be alive and kicking at that point. I'll, I'll tell you they run home in a little bit, and you can make up your mind in the next three weeks whether they're going to be alive. You think they're going to get through Dallas, so those next two are going to be important. They finish with Austin at home, which could be an interesting one on where Austin yeah. sits. Because if LA and Austin, <laughs> you know, are close and, and running it out here, then this that could be a big game for Houston to finish the year. So for the Seawolves, though, I'll give you the Seawolves in a second. No, I won't. <laughs> the uh, hotel internet has decided that it's not going to do it. Here do you we want go. me Sorry. to give, give you the Seawolves? No way. I've got the Seawolves here. Okay. But they go Dallas, then they're on the road all the way in New York. Then they've got to buy. Sorry. No, yeah. Then they've got to buy. And then they run into Houston. So that buy when they sit at home, man, that game against Houston is going to be massive. And then they finish with LA in LA, so really tough finish there for our uh, our friends in Seattle. All That's right, so I'll give you two. I'll give you the Legion. I got the Legion. <coughs> oh, you got the Legion. This is this, this is probably the hardest run in because they've got a buy. Yeah, I know. This is the hardest run in. This is what I was going to. This is they like go LA tough. Nola in Nola, which. As we saw on the weekend, Nola can still play. Then they have a bye, then they finish with Austin. Whew. No, no, then... <coughs> no, no. They oh, play they Austin, have the last then week, they have last the week. bye in the last week. My weekend. apologies. Oh, that's, I, you don't want to be sitting at home in the last week. Fade out of your hands. Ugh, puke. I'd rather be on the field controlling your destiny. Oh, well. You do not want to do that. <sighs> Fun stuff. Fun stuff. All right, Pete. You excited for the weekend? I'm I'm really excited for the weekend. Um, I don't want either of my kids sick. I want the weather to be good so they can be outside, so mm-hmm. I can stay inside and watch and watch the rugby. That's my goal of the weekend. I like it. I will borrow that same goal. Not that I have any illnesses in the house, but I just basically jinx myself. Any parent out there, we're knows all sick. Say yeah, that. we're we're all sick. Like yeah, I'm snuffling and coughing, and we're all Why sick. Why not? Why not? Why not? We've just spent, what, two and a half years in a bubble. Might as well spend another six months. Who cares at this point? <laughs> That's right. All right, Pete, anything else? 
Final no, Dan, I think I think I think you got it. Maybe maybe we can uh, um, you know obviously you can check us out on the rugby network for those of you that are listening to our podcast. If you are listening to our podcast, we'd really appreciate you to leave a review to spread the word of Major League Rugby and to help us um, get MLR kickoff up the rankings. Coming to the uh, we're, we're coming to the business end of the season, Dan. We should probably be doing some podcast business. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, on the Super Brew, I, I'm still in the top 10, barely. Stats Boy was making a push for the top 10, but fell off on the weekend. And you, my friend, are uh, just nowhere to be seen. Keep yeah. scrolling. Not even going to go there. I'm almost... <laughs> Your finger gets tired going down to wherever I'm at. Yeah, the mercy rule comes in. But I am being who's, scary, Larry. So suck it, Larry. Who's, who's it's, a new, it's a new person. I, I, I tried to pull them up on the weekend. I think they're a Free Jacks fan. Hang on, hang on. You put me on the spot. I, that's my job, put you on the spot. But So I'm at ninth right now. Number one is Rugby Boy Bins. Boy Bins, uh, like a bin for boys or Boy Bins. It's uh, Gethin Bins, who is a Free Jacks fan. He's been a member since February this year. So it's his first year, and he is lights out ahead. He's on 82.5 points. Second place, Corey. He's on 77. Corey Egerman, who's a big Giltinis fan. He's been playing Super Roo since 2015. Good for you, Corey. That's unreal. And then BT Woodrow. We know BT. That's Brenton Woodrow. He's a, he's a out in the Pacific Northwest. Seattle fan. He's uh he's in third place. So <coughs> so, so Dan, uh, maybe like like Aaron, what we should do is whoever's the number one at the end of the season comes on for our playoff. Um, uh, show and does predictions with us for the playoffs. So I loved it last year. Engagement. We had Larry. Larry. Larry was like a yeah. bona fide genius, and that was a really good show. So, hey, um, Gethin Bins, you, you better be. You better have a PhD in rugby nomics or something. That's right. <laughs> but you got to have some. You've got to have at least six or seven Excel sheets open at the same time. Oh my god! Ah, uh, just. Go home just thinking, God, I'm a waste of a human being when I talk to Scary Larry and all the, the data just pouring through that man's head. All right, Pete, enjoy the weekend. I'm actually looking forward to the New York game. I think New York, Toronto, the East Coast is going to be great. Uh, but you enjoy the West. I'll enjoy the East, and we'll meet in the middle next week for the show. All right. For the professor, Pete Steinberg, Aaron Castro, Ryan Ginty, our entire team here at MLR Kickoff, I'm Dan Power, and we will catch you next time.